Welcome to the Keep Cool Show, the only place to hear cutting-edge climate tech founders pitch their businesses in real time and on a podcast. I'm Nick Van Osdal. Let's jump in. Whether you're binging Netflix or building a website, there's greenhouse gas emissions associated with our increasingly digital lifestyles. These digital carbon emissions already account for up to 3 or 4% of all global greenhouse gas emissions. Most of them stem from the electricity required to power and cool massive data centers. And one thing we'll learn in this episode is that by 2030, digital carbon could represent 10 or even 15% of all global emissions. What's needed to be able to reduce digital carbon emissions? For one, you can't reduce what you can't measure. That's where Green Pixie, a software business focused on measuring companies' digital carbon emissions, comes in. I'm here with co-founder and CEO John Ridd, as well as with Lily Berniker, who's an investor at Wireframe Ventures, who fund technologies to build a healthier and more sustainable future. In today's episode, we'll hear from John about the major sources of digital carbon emissions and just how big of a challenge they'll turn into over time. We'll also learn about how Green Pixie is going to turn this challenge into an opportunity. There's lots of emissions from different sources in the world, and Green Pixie thinks that digital carbon emissions in particular are low-hanging fruit. Within the next five years, they want to get to a point where they're helping companies reduce up to 10 million tons of CO2 emissions annually. Finally, we'll also get great perspective on the value of bootstrapping your business to start and on how Green Pixie plans to roll out their MVP. Sound fun? Let's jump in. Good morning and welcome to the Keep Cool Show. John, great to have you in Green Pixie. Do you have a product already or are you building towards one? And, and what is that V1 rendition of the product going to look like? We're currently building an MVP. We've set a 100-day deadline to kind of get out there. And uh, we've already done a lot of work on the infrastructure to make this possible. Um, we've worked with academics and regulators to put together these carbon algorithms along with the yeah, the infrastructure of the tech to make it possible. But the MVP will essentially measure the carbon footprint of the three big cloud providers. So that would be AWS, Google Cloud, and Microsoft Azure. Because we've talked to a number of sustainability heads at tech companies and uh, CTOs, etc. And this is what uh, tech companies are trying to measure at the moment. And currently, there's no comprehensive solution on the market. Got it. And is the reason that they're most interested in starting to measure that because it is the biggest component of their digital carbon emissions? Yes, that is uh, that really is the case. Uh, cloud computing is the where a lot of most computation is done. When you're kind of a large tech company, that can be hundreds of servers mm-hmm. uh, wearing away. Um, using uh, all this kind of carbon-intensive electricity. So that seems to be what the kind of more cutting-edge sustainability-minded tech companies are looking to solve at the moment. But it's only now just coming into the public consciousness, this issue of digital carbon. And we're still having to go on a big awareness drive to uh, let tech companies, this is even a sustainability issue. Yeah, I think that's a big component of the development that I imagine will be important for you all is not just like the actual product and how does it work and what is my experience as a customer pulling it up for the first time. But if you're going out to some of the, you know, medium-sized tech companies, like why should you be worried about this? Yeah, so that's the big challenge. Really, the bigger you are as a tech company, the bigger the issue and the bigger the sustainability pressure um, because you're more 
pressured by regulation, but there is a real trend of tech companies declaring net zero. And uh, now they're kind of they've put down the gauntlet and have made that pledge. Mm-hmm. I realized that, oh, oh God, like most of our operations are digital and there's no way to actually understand the carbon footprint of what we're doing. And luckily for them and what we've seen at Green Pixie is because digital carbon, it's all very interconnected. The data is there and available and is crying out for a software solution to be able to integrate all these different digital systems. So you can then have a automated uh, live feed of your carbon footprint of your digital operations. Got it. So yeah, that was actually going to be my next question is like, if I'm a future customer and I'm pulling up your MVP for the first time, it's hard to do without like a screen share of the actual MVP, but what is that experience gonna, going to look like for them? So the MVP will, first you'll be a developer um, who has access to the cloud systems would basically integrate through a very uh, usable platform to integrate to AWS or Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure. Then uh, once it's all hooked up, we'll connect into the usage data, which will provide a dashboard that will show you how much how much carbon that your digital operations have been using in a dashboard format. And uh, as we kind of develop the product away from MVP, we will provide reports to uh, basically show the carbon footprint in whichever sustainability framework that you're working under. Got it. So you won't just be able to kind of do a like real-time assessment of your digital carbon emissions at current, but you'll also be able to do a look back for, say, the past year or two to say, you know, based on your data center usage. Yeah, exactly. So we're measuring first uh, what we, we kind of banded towards a quote as a company, say so you can't reduce what you can't measure. Nice. So we're, 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 yeah, yeah, we're connected. It was actually, I've actually ripped that off from Lord Kelvin. Um, <laughs> take credit from that but uh, yeah we we made it, it was a really good step for us as a company because as a startup of course it's one step after the other and uh, integrating to these systems and having the data will allow us to take snapshots of uh, how much carbon's been produced and then provide comparisons but ultimately we want to give automated suggestions uh, to how to reduce your digital carbon footprints uh, we'd like to do no-brainers so without compromising tech performance or tech behavior, right. just doing it in best practice in order to reduce the amount of carbon it's producing. Got it. Yeah, I'm interested to talk about kind of moving from measurement to reduction, but Lily, I also want to make sure I'm opening it up to you. What, what questions do you have so far? Yeah, I guess just one question on the integration required. Uh, in terms of the, given like how concentrated the sources of potential emissions are in digital carbon, being at these major data centers provided by the top three cloud providers, which own most market share. So what information do you need from them? I know a lot of them, I think, are switching to green hydrogen or even piloting stationary storage as alternative like decarbonized or low carbon fuel sources for the data centers, but curious kind of what level of integration or data collection you need from the cloud providers themselves and to what extent they're willing or and or unwilling to share that at this stage in kind of their decarbonization journey. Because I think there's a big spectrum from 
Amazon to Microsoft and, and how active they're being necessarily on, on decarbonizing their uh, scope one emissions. So we'll be curious for y'all's thoughts on that and, and what you need for the MVP versus long term. So that is actually, you've actually really honed down on um, that's one of the needs we're going to be catering to. So we as a third party can provide that information that potentially they're kind of withholding or finding hard to access. So I've, heard, I've talked to sustainability consultants who would be trying to, let's say, get carbon information from AWS. And that's a very laborious process. And it's a very basic data that they will give you, if any. But what we do, we'll be hooking into usage data. So we'll be, we'll be able to know how much computation is being done along with kind of third parties. Um, we can also know the kind of geographic locations of the data centers. So we can uh, essentially provide that ourselves. And uh, we've been working with a number of academics and regulators in order to inform our carbon algorithms, which we'll be combining with this usage data. So we can actually uh, provide a much better uh, picture of your additional carbon footprint than even talking to the suppliers would get you. And as it's a product and it will be fully automated connected into this usage data, it will be uh, much easier, faster and more accurate to do so. Gotcha. So for that, you would just apply like a local grid mix to assume the carbon intensity of those data center operations. And then, you know, in the event, like obviously Google and Microsoft, I think are doing are spending meaningful resources on decarbonizing the data centers in the event that people are, you, you know, using hydrogen, using batteries, using alternative forms of storage or like procuring renewables through PPAs, then you would kind of let them self-report. Is that how you might imagine it working? That's definitely an avenue you can go down. So Google was one of the first to actually, so they do provide um, some carbon metrics associated with the cloud computing and they're kind of at the forefront of sustainability as far as the top three go um, for sure and we will kind of any kind of APIs or any databases information that they provide is something that we can kind of incorporate into our own our own product and uh, what we kind of found is tech companies quite often have a combination of different cloud providers which they used so going after one piece of the yeah, just after one kind of cloud provider is enough effort in itself, that's alone free. So a comprehensive third-party solution, we feel there's a real uh, need for that in the market. And I guess maybe one question building off where Nick was going on the MVP in terms of what people see and how maybe it integrates with existing carbon accounting, carbon measurement platforms. Are people currently seeing their digital emissions just as part of scope-free emissions? and or potentially scope two in terms of like electricity utilization or how, where is it showing up right now? And I guess I'd be curious to what extent you could even put a number, maybe it's not necessary, but put a number in terms of like missing emissions or the percent of missing scope three emissions from tech companies that don't use Green Pixie. If you have kind of a range of percentages, you might imagine the typical customer is missing. So when it comes to scope-free emissions, uh, as you know, at the current current climate is they are kind of, it's nice to have, and there's more pressure for certain companies. 
So it means digital carbon has been somewhat uh, given the cold shoulder. <laughs> but how I see it is uh, it's almost like uh, our technical operations, our digital operations are a utility. And it's only by the nature of uh, the magic of how data can transfer, etc., that it isn't geographically dependent. So it has kind of pushed over the responsibility over to uh, the big three. But really, I think it's fair to say there is um, a kind of joint responsibility. I'd say that digital operations are the engine of any modern business and you're responsible for the sustainability impact of that. But the trend is changing to, to scope three is going to become a, a much bigger requirement as, as, we, as we go on. So, uh, so the sustainable uh, financial disclosure regulation in the EU it's coming out in January 2023. Just last month, California has passed some scope-free legislation in the Senate, which will make it mandatory from 2024. So companies are going to have to um, start figuring out this scope-free side of things. And I'd say digital is probably the easiest first step you can go there because when you start going into suppliers, etc., what it is is a lot of, there'll be a lot of talking, a lot of goals, but with Digital Carbon, we really believe there's an 100% automated product that can provide this picture. And just so I know you asked for the percentage of missed scope emissions for tech companies, it's we've kind of like done some research and it can be over like 40, 50% of the overall emissions. And it's just because the limitations of the scope systems, they've fallen out of that responsibility. So yeah, you've really come to the core of why we're doing this essentially. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like in the past, the way the scope system is set up is kind of part of the reason that this all wasn't something that we immediately focused on, as well as the fact that obviously like digital has taken off a lot in the past 10 years. But I mean, for you all, ideally, as scope three becomes more in vogue, if you will, or in focus, like that could actually become a tailwind instead of a headwind. Yeah, and I think another reason for that is, so just if you think about the, the word, the cloud, is quite conceptual <laughs> and you, you don't think oh there's gonna be a huge environmental impact it's just the cloud it's, it's fine but yeah the data transfer is is amazing from a user's perspective but there is a hard infrastructure that is really just taking over large parts of the world uh, so singapore has now uh, banned construction of data centers because wow. it's taking up such a high percentage of its grid and Ireland, I believe, is now at 8% of its grid is used for data centers. Wow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so this movement is is long overdue. But uh, I think digital carbon is going to be a huge issue over the next 10 years, especially if uh, Mark gets his way with the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all kind of in our own like mini metaverse right now conducting this call in a way. So it's already heading in that direction. But yeah, that's an interesting point you made about like the cloud, even that name in and of itself is kind of like this abstraction that draws you away from understanding that there really are like hard emissions and hard electricity behind everything that's happening. How big of a problem do you think, or big of a challenge, I should say, digital carbon will be in, say, 10 years? Because if it's 3 to 4% of global emissions now, that's obviously already pretty significant. But do you see it heading to 10%, 15%? Yeah, double digits does look like it's on the horizon. If you just think where driven data usage will be in ten years, wow. um, there is a <laughs> there's there's a sustainability correlated with that as well. That sustainability issue, 
And there's also factors. Uh, so Moore's law is predicted to flatten out in the next 10 years, which will be another exponential factor added to that um, because the hardware required to run that amount of data will basically, from here till now, the amount of demand has been matched by computing efficiency. Right. And if that stops, then <laughs> it's going to be the demand's going to keep increasing and that's going to flatten out. So it could be, yeah, quite dystopian if you think about it. If you extrapolate that much increase in digital use versus the hardware flattening out, then, right. yeah, there could be um, huge, huge uh, data center everywhere. Yeah. Right. And as a non-computer engineer, Moore's Law was that chip capacity doubles every two years. Is that right? I believe it's, uh, yeah, you've got to quote me now. So <laughs> I believe it is that it doubles in efficiency and halves in size. That's right. It also halves in size, yeah. I wouldn't say every year, but it might not be every year. But no, that's the that trend is most definitely... Yeah, coming. And uh, yeah, if that does flatten out and it's predicted to, um, whether it does or not is, who knows, in, in that level of the science. But that's just another risk that you've got to consider. And, and shifting a bit to the business side of things now, how do you all want to make money? So we believe, because the biggest issues are with uh, tech companies, um, we believe like an enterprise SaaS solution is uh, there's, there's room for the uh, in the market for that. Uh, so we do a monthly subscription based on tiers, based on complexity and amount of the digital operations that need measuring. So we're starting with cloud and a lot of it will be connected to the cloud, but there's more, there's different systems. There's even like intranet, some on-prem stuff that we can hook into, video calls. And yeah, so we'll kind of tier it based on that. And there's a, there's a real need from, as Ali mentioned before, it does fall under the carbon accounting and ESG uh, obligations. That's we're going to kind of align ourselves with not quite carbon accounting software because um, there's a real uh, technical vantage point to come from. But we think that's where we're going to kind of uh, put ourselves uh, in the market and monthly SaaS solution to understand the carbon footprint of your digital operations. And do you already have some strong signals of demand of companies queuing up to be in line for the MVP? So we've been talking to a number of uh, tech companies. We've got a few very early signups just from hearing that it will exist. Um, so we're going for like eight, nine months now. We kind of started with talking to companies about their, their websites, digital carbon footprint. That was kind of step one for us before we really went first principles and realized that this issue was much bigger than just that. <laughs> but now it's it's really needed. There's there's forward thinking companies who are making these net zero pledges and they, they have sustainability out there um, as one of their top goals that uh, are showing real interest. But yeah, when the regulation comes in and you kind of have your arm twisted as a company to do it, then the demand is going to spike a lot next beginning of next year, we think. But for now, yeah, tech companies are really engaged in this. I can definitely see, especially with a lot of the messaging and positioning that these companies are putting out there, that this would be something that they'd, they'd be interested in. I'm curious what types of competitive products are out there. I've definitely seen, as you mentioned, kind of, more investment and focus on the carbon accounting space, but perhaps a little bit less so on solutions that are a little bit more 
technically focused and, and plug-in and ease of integration focused? Yeah, so um, in the carbon accounting space, um, there's Planetly and Watershed do very broad. They, they know that it's an issue, but it isn't. It definitely doesn't integrate to usage. It would be just a kind of another kind of a box to fill in from a sustainability consultant, for one. And so the competition there isn't quite there, and it's a very different vantage point for them to kind of come at it at this angle. Because um, we kind of identify as a tech company, everyone that's involved is um, a development experience, and we want to kind of build a product that does all the work. If there's no kind of human element involved in terms of getting the data, that's that's great for us. Um, that's <laughs> everything as possible with digital carbon. And other than that, there's an argument, especially with the MVP, there's kind of cloud, cloud optimization services that kind of reduce your bill because there's a lot of flab that can come with uh, your setup when it comes to the cloud. And they would potentially be seen as a competitor as they'll be able to reduce some of the usage but there's there's nobody coming at it from a sustainability perspective and to have the kind of carbon algorithms and academic backing to be able to validate that that is yeah we're it's pretty lonely out here which is <laughs> really tough, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, build, just building on uh, monetization, and you you mentioned, I think, some of the tech-enabled startups. I think, obviously, there's a long history of more services organizations doing carbon accounting, and then also supporting carbon management plans, and there's opportunities to support companies as they purchase offsets, and that's another revenue stream. Uh, it sounds like y'all aren't immediately focused there, but I'd be curious kind of the what the expansion looks like in terms of moving from measuring to actions and and what else when it comes to products if it's utilization management or supporting people to buy offsets i would imagine there's a pretty limited range of it could be totally wrong i would imagine like of the companies uh, that you're selling to there's maybe a limited range of activities they can pursue to reduce overall emissions and in some cases, it actually, their digital utilization, digital carbon emissions, I could imagine might go up if they're reducing overall emissions, like associated with employee travel, let's say. I don't, that could be wrong. Um, but I would, I, I would think that there is a really broad menu of options that you could offer to actual cloud providers in terms of helping them buy PPAs, helping them actually decarbonize these data centers which might move the needle the most. So I guess I'd be curious kind of what you can offer and how y'all think about supporting your first customers. I think it's really exciting to think that far in the future when it comes to how we can help um, So on, on the reduction side. At the moment, we're really looking to, say, focus on, on measuring and getting the data and bringing awareness to the issue because I think because this is still at the very start of this consciousness of the digital carbon, it means uh, to, to think as far as reduction and partnerships with cloud uh, providers is uh, maybe a bit far in the future. So you can inform companies through this uh, centralized tool of, let's say, if it was worth moving to another cloud provider due to a more preferential geographic location, 
that could be uh, one way we can kind of go with that. It's opening the uh, world of offsets and working with non-digital ways of reducing carbon. There's I've seen companies that I really like the way they do it. So Stripe, Stripe's climate um, portfolio that they invest in, I think is a very smart way of doing it when they focus on carbon removal. In the future, we could kind of see Green Pixie as a way to be a hub for tech companies to kind of understand their footprint. And because we're a tech company ourselves, we feel that we can really talk to them and, and attract that audience to use this product. And once we've done that, we feel that we could maybe be a connector to uh, other uh, suppliers who can specialize in any kind of production methods that fall right outside what's possible with the product. But yeah, um, one step at a time, we think uh, if we're connected and we're working with all these companies and those opportunities will go there. That makes sense. And I think it's a pretty unique type of emissions to be tackling where you can actually offer a software product that automates reduction and you can actually offer insetting opportunities and direct reduction opportunities before you even have to go to offsets, which is pretty cool and special and, and not necessarily something that most like tech companies selling into, I don't know, apparel brands can do where, okay, I'm recommending you you procure a vegan leather, but I can't <laughs> give you the vegan leather or sell you the vegan leather. Okay, awesome. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I guess it would be great. I, I'm sure just to maybe talk a little bit about how you want to build the team in the next six to 12 months. And I'm sure that's probably where Nick is going, but I guess just one other question in terms of the customers that are kind of lining up today and the target kind of size or location or like implementation readiness. I'd be curious to be- maybe better understand who your perfect target users are. Yeah, sure. So we did a number of product interviews. Uh, I believe we interviewed 40 tech companies with their kind of CTOs, uh, heads of sustainability. So that was the two interested decision makers we talked to. So we talked to a number of fintech companies mm. that uh, they're trying to solve this issue, <laughs> but they're using the tools they have, which is sustainability consultants and throwing hours at that resource to try and fix the problem but i think it really shines a light on there's a skill gap between uh being a sustainability expert and consultant versus this is a technical problem so i think people are just hitting against the wall again and again um but as as you said before there's a unique opportunity to use this uh issue of digital carbon to use a software solution because it's all interconnected the data is there you just need the people who are technical enough in order to access that. And yeah, that's where we're going at it. But the need is, yeah, mid-sized tech companies, uh, heads of sustainability, tech companies that have made net zero pledges and now <laughs> have to understand their operations and then can't do it because the technical gap is there. The first companies making this movement are not because they have to, but because they generally do have sustainability high up their company goals. So those are the people we're doing business with now and we want to get in a place where we really service them to a high degree in in the short term and uh, yeah when that regulation kicks in then we'll be ready to get the kind of middle of the market too yeah john how did you get inspired to to start the business it was lockdown uh jan 2021 i was running my marketing 
the company that I was doing quite well. And I actually met my now head of, head, head of engineering, Chris, who uh, suggested that we do a hackathon because there's a lot of dead air during uh, lockdown. <laughs> and uh, I heard of the issue of digital carbon and websites because my sustainability friend told me about it. Mm. And we were going to do, we were going to do uh, another project. I was like, yeah, do you know, let's, let, I showed him the website and he, he was just like, I can build that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, great. So he hacked it together and we, we made a product that can assess website emissions and estimate them. Uh, we then developed that a little bit further when it came to hooking up to Google Analytics. So it was more of a, gave a more clear picture. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, so I'd say, I haven't always been an environmentalist. Uh, I kind of saw a fun opportunity. And the journey I've kind of been on now is realizing having a higher purpose goal is really great for your own motivation. It's really great for a team. This uh, At Green Pixie, we kind of attracted all these different mindsets, people who wanted to chip in. And uh, we kind of bootstrapped for a while before we showed some, show some real progress. And now, uh, yeah, just following following this opportunity, now it's definitely going to be my life for a while, I think. Uh, I found my kind of purpose as a like, CEO. Uh, I've, I've done, I've led teams before, but there's something about leading a quite big operation to a big goal that is really, uh, really fulfilling. So that's what kind of drew me into the position I am now. Brilliant. That's exciting. I like that quote of a big operation with a big goal. I think you hear that a lot from folks, especially, I mean, even people like myself that weren't always in the climate or climate tech or climate impact space, but it's kind of like this light bulb that switches on when you are in it, because if you can unite a job that's fun with a goal that's really impactful, like that starts to really click and fire on all cylinders sometimes. And there's a and there's business opportunity in the space. <laughs> um, there is, there's a huge problem to solve and I think for so long, so environmentalists have been in this space, but what I'm seeing, because I'm talking to another co-founders who have recently moved into the sustainability space, it's different mindsets because it's such a big critical issue that you don't have to always be an environmentalist to see that there needs to be business in this space. And it's a really exciting time. I think it's going to be a really exciting time for the space over the next five years or so. Yeah, it doesn't hurt when there's also a business opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't doesn't hurt. (laughs) Yeah. What would be exciting for you five years from now if the business achieved X or Y? Like, where do you really want to see it go in the next five years? So uh, five to 10 years, I say we want to remove uh, 10 million tons of uh, CO2 per annum. Uh, that's a kind of having that big lofty goal is a really great north star and i think through the kind of magic of software because it seems a very unique opportunity to actually bring awareness and remove carbon because there's no roughly speaking there's no marginal cost to software that's that's so crazy so if you move into another sustainability space you need to be extracting a lot of carbon with manufacturing solutions in order to take the carbon out where this is you, you can you can make a million copies of some software and people can use it and invoke action so i think this is uh, having this as a scalable yeah it's interesting to think about like there's so many emissions that feel super intractable throughout global supply chains or what have you or even just like energy production in general so 
finding, identifying and measuring, and then kind of seizing opportunities where they exist to reduce emissions footprints more quickly and more easily. Like that's always going to be super valuable, especially for the next 10 years when like any progress is going to be good progress compared to what's happened for the last 10 years. No, you, you put it really well there. That's rather than like, this is the sustainability, where do we get the data? It's like, there's the data <laughs> that's connected to sustainability issues. So follow the data uh, rather than having to find the difficult data because the, the, right. the, the, the breadcrumbs of data go through <laughs> this entire issue. So that's why I think there's a scalable software solution that's begging to be made, basically. <laughs> Brilliant. And if final question for me, if we were to invest in the next month or two, how would you use that money? Developers. <laughs> <laughs> so I have two full stack developers in the senior team who are doing a great job. But the, it does come down to you need some people working on it uh, for a number of hours. Our product timeline is it's okay now, but all, we've just as a real hunger in the company. Uh, so the product team is just like, oh, I need some developers, need some developers. <laughs> and it's waiting for the right investment. Um, we've done the hard work uh, already because we've been going for eight, nine months now, bootstrapping, mm-hmm. uh, funded by myself. Right. Uh, I think it's a very important first stage as a business to kind of find your footing before you kind of pursue investment. And right. now we are, we're generally ready and we know where we'll spend it. We have the product roadmap. And yeah, we want to put out the product as fast as we can because there's a big opportunity here. Um, there isn't anyone that's for as far ahead as us, mm-hmm. but there will be, uh, when it's obvious, there'll be competition, of course. So we, <laughs> we know time is of the essence. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's laudable to approach fundraising with an MVP coming out as opposed to just yeah. with the deck and an idea, which, you know, works well for some people too. And there's nothing it wrong with that yeah. either, but uh, definitely glad to see that you guys are already at that stage. I agree. I think it's really great to know or have a, a pretty good set of assumptions on how that money can be best spent. And it only comes from doing the work of getting to know your customers. And it's not, something to be taken for granted at pre-seed or seed. Um, I guess maybe it's just one follow-up in terms of kind of intermediate milestones. I'd be curious kind of where y'all want to be in 12 months beyond hiring a bunch of developers, just thinking about kind of product launch or number of customers or even kind of where the product is at. would be curious for just maybe your thoughts on kind of the 12-month milestones post-raise of where you want to be. And then my last question would be kind of who else do you want to hear from besides amazing engineers and hungry clients? I'd be curious if there's anybody else that you really want to get in touch with that you think would accelerate Green Pixie over the next six to 12 months. So in in the next 100 days when this uh, we're going to be releasing the MVP, uh, we want active users. My I have a strong marketing background and I just can't wait to kind of stretch my <laughs> stretch my skills there and so by the time the product launches in today's um we want probably between around 100 active users um from tech companies that are our exact target market just to kind of learn that show traction show there's a real demand for it but there is uh, there's going to be a constant feedback loop of customers saying oh um, i have this set up uh, can you integrate that and uh, measuring that up and just uh, building the product out with the demand we're seeing is going to be, uh, I imagine, the next the next year. Um, we agree with Big C, so we're actually 
so Rory, who actually uh, originally told me about this, the idea of digital carbon and websites, he's made this network with uh, academics. He's talking to regulators. So we're kind of, we're making sure we want to make sure we're an authority in the space as well as having the product to match up to that. And uh, yeah, I'll be having fun with some marketing, seeing if I can attract inbound interest from from all this. Um, that'll be continuing to the end of the year. And yeah, uh, as I said, the product will be being made, being made more sophisticated. And uh, we like doing events and that type of thing. We had a talk in Paris that went, went down really well. So we'll be doing uh, yeah quite a bit, I think, uh, by the end of the year. Coming out to the first Keep Cool events as well. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> I am curious to double click on the second question that Lily asked about you like who you want to hear from like is it beyond the developers is it investors yes yeah exactly so uh, we have um, who includes people from Google Figma um, nice. and, and regulators so we're constantly reaching out and we really believe that kind of mentor mindset does lift you when the when you're coming across new uh, problems as a company, I really enjoy it. So Farnham Street have a uh, mental models. Um, one of them is uh, the Sherpa um, methodology. So we, we need a lot of Sherpas who can show us the problems that we'll face as we grow and scale as a company and come to market. And that, that would include investors as well. So right. finding the right investors who have the right experience, who, who could stop us falling off a cliff um, or, <laughs> or uh, point us towards uh, an opportunity we wouldn't otherwise have seen is the, uh, so that's what we're kind of looking for at the moment. And also we like almost like conflicting mindsets as a company. So if you have a interesting uh, opinion or a diff- an interesting skill set, we, we like work here. We'll probably like to work with you if you've if you really want to kind of be driven over the next uh, year on on this startup so that's that's the approach um, we, we take i think thanks for tuning in and don't miss next week's episode by subscribing on spotify google apple or wherever else you listen to podcasts